so a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, we remembered um, the 20-year anniversary of an act of terrorism on our country. Remember 9-11? We, you can't really say celebrate. You just remember uh, the, the event that happened on our country 20 years ago where, uh, you know, and, so, and, and, and this was for my generation kind of the JFK event, right? We, we know where we were when we saw the news, and, and, and many of us were watching by the time the second plane hit into the second building. So we, we kind of remember uh, those events and those, th- those kinds of acts of terrorism. And really, we kind of remember the, like the helpless feeling that we had of, man, I, wh- what happened? What do you do? How could this happen? Those kinds of things. And, and, the, and the preceding months led to a lot of just changes in our world i mean not just for our country but for the world you you now can't go in any airport in the world with over three ounces of liquid and and without being full body scanned and uh you know you got to take your shoes off for some of you that's not a problem for other of us it's hard to tie our shoes back on and uh you know it's like you know the world changed and uh and, and from one act of, of terrorism but the, the reality is you know for and we're going to see with nehemiah Nehemiah experienced some levels of terrorism towards what he was he was trying to do trying to accomplish and I would argue that for the Christian uh, there is an enemy that is constantly trying to uh, destroy you and constantly trying to uh, get you to uh, you know Abandon your faith. It gets you to run shipwreck of your life, uh, of your faith. And, and so, so we have to be on guard, just like as we as a country took great measurements to protect ourselves from a further uh, attack like that. We, too, need to be ready for that. We need to be on guard spiritually for the attacks that will come in, in our life. And, and we see Nehemiah, uh, you know, we're going to see today kind of how he responds, and I think in a, in a great way to you know, this kind of opposition that, that was attacking him. So let's dive in, and uh, again, we're going to read the entirety of six, uh, but I'm going to break it into three sections for us. And, and, and if you're, you're just now jumping in, I want to remind you, like, Nehemiah's goal was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That, that was what he set out to do, and he's in process of that, and he gets to the point to where the walls are pretty much finished, and he just lacks the gates and the doors. And so Nehemiah has, has you know, gone through a lot of things to get to this point whether it was conflict from outside or the conflict from inside or or trying to rally support from the king or, or you know j- just rallying the people to build and and encourage them in the middle of the build and now we're getting to the point to where the 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 the, the work is getting near completion and so we're going to see that when the work is almost finished here comes another attack uh trying to destroy what god was doing through nehemiah and god's people uh in this time and so let's dive in i'm gonna read the first nine verses of chapter six uh and then we'll talk about it now when samballot and tobiah and geshem the arab and the rest of our enemies heard that i had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Samballot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakaphirum in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. 
In the same way, Sam Ballot, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become king, and you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inviting them, inventing them out of your own mind. And they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Let's stop there for a minute. First, uh, point that I want us to kind of focus on for a minute is that opposition is persistent, but leaders, and particularly godly leaders, are consistent. Um, you, you, here's Nehemiah, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I thought about uh, naming this point. Nehemiah says no to oh no, right? Like, here, here is, uh, you know, he's getting this opposition coming at him to come and, and just, just meet with Samballot, meet with these leaders to discuss the things that are going on and, and, and to make sure it's going. But, 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 but Nehemiah eventually clues in that, hey, this isn't, this, this isn't on the up and up, right? Like there's something going on here that's not right. And I, I think that they're, they're going to attack me uh, and, and, and try, to, try to kill me. This is how a lot of opposition comes into our life in that it seems very friendly, Hey, why don't you come for a, a, a meeting? This is what they're saying to Nehemiah. We, we just want to meet with you. We want to discuss things. We, we want to just, we, we want to really just get together and work together on how things are happening. And it was a trap for Nehemiah. But so often, even in our own lives, the greatest opposition enters into our life as something that was probably very well-meaning. Uh, something that maybe we thought was, uh, you know, w was okay, right? Or, you know, w one thing that, uh, you know, we, we may follow our own feelings or instincts to the neglect of God's word, and, 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 and that's when we begin to kind of be lured into destruction. I think about young couples who, who compromise when it comes to marrying a non-believer. And they think, well, we love each other, and, and this isn't that bad a thing, and maybe, maybe I can kind of get them to come to know Christ and be saved, and uh, they're a good person, and they're always a good person. You, you, you know, if they were, you know, just a, a, a bum, they wouldn't marry them, right? They wouldn't, they wouldn't try to be in a relationship with them. It's always a good person, but, but they get lured into some kind of relationship where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I think it's okay to compromise here. But godly leaders are consistent, particularly consistent with obedience to the Word of God. I, I see this too, like um, the, the temptation for many pastors, probably all pastors, is to compromise the gospel or to compromise the Word of God in some instance so that they might reach people, grow bigger. Um, you know, it's, it's not uncommon in our day and age to, to, to try to be more ecumenical, which, is, which just means, hey, can't we all just get along? 
And, and you see this a lot with, with Protestant pastors and Catholic pa- uh, priests and, and churches trying to get together on, on the things that maybe they do agree on for the sake of, hey, we still all fall under the same umbrella of Christianity. Uh, but the reality is uh, there is a gospel, and that gospel cannot be watered down or compromised. Uh, and, and particularly if you're new here, I want to quickly help you understand what the gospel is. is simply that God saves sinners. God saves sinners. That Christ, and we sang it earlier, that Christ was sent on behalf, He uh, uh, sent by God the Father to take on the sins of those who would believe upon him and those who believe upon him there's this transaction that happens in that all the sin that i deserve to be punished for forever was put onto christ and he took that punishment for me and all the righteousness that he had earned with his life that was completely pleasing to the father was given to me so now i have the same righteousness as christ because of the work that he accomplished And because of that righteousness, I will forever be in the presence and welcome in to heaven in the presence of God. That that, that is the gospel. That is what you believe in. That is, you you trust in Christ and Christ alone for that. It's not your good works. So it's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus gifts. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's only Jesus. And any time when people are compromised to water down that gospel, it, it is a... It is an attack of the enemy. What greater work does, does Satan want to destroy than the work of Christ and, and a gospel purely preached? That's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy that. And so the greatest temptation for every church is to say, hey, let's put this gospel on the back burner for the sake of loving our community. And so we won't preach that they're sinners. What we'll do is we'll just preach that God loves them. And they'll think they're okay where they are and, and, there's, and, there, and, and, and that God doesn't have a wrath that remains on them, as the scripture says. And they can, they can just, we can just woo them into some level of relationship with God. The problem with that is uh, someone who is far from God will never be wooed until they realize they've offended him. Until they realize that they're far from him. And that's when you realize that God loves you. Because other than that, you think you may deserve God's love. But until you realize that you are an enemy of God and he still loved you, that's when you realize that God truly loves you. That's when you realize that there's a far greater gap between you and God than maybe you realized. And so for us, we have to continue to A, understand the gospel, B, communicate that gospel purely, and and, and realize that there's an enemy that hates that. There's an enemy that hates that and wants to continue to destroy uh, that, that, that gospel being, being preached. But look how persistent the opposition was. I mean, it came to Nehemiah four times. It just kept coming. And, and so, uh, you know, and I, I love this. He says, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down to you. So, so Nehemiah has set his hands to doing, doing a great work. Now, now, a couple of things. One, I want to encourage you in that um, if you think that you've avoided uh, opposition from the enemy one time and you're good to go no it's going to keep coming it's going to keep coming a matter of fact i'm gonna read some text to you later like like the, the scriptures always encourage us in this like when you think you're standing firm stand firm when you think you're standing strong stand stronger like because the enemy's not going to give up 
He's going to continue to attack. He's going to continue to tempt. He's going to continue to... He, he, he is uh, want, wanting to kill, steal, and destroy you. And someone with that kind of bitterness, hatred towards the image of God, towards the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, he's not going to stop. He hates what God is doing in you. He's not going to stop. Another point that I, I, I want to talk about is leaders are consistent in resisting a persistent opposition because they have set themselves to a great work i love this part one of the reasons that nehemiah is not going to get caught up in the weeds with the evil one is because his hands have been set to a great work you know the scriptures talk about that idle hands are you know uh are this is are the devil's playground it's not scripture but but it talks about the the danger of idleness right so this is so true for us so true for us that when we set our hands to a great work we we have something we're busy in that the enemy can't distract us uh, or, or or tempt us to do something that that is contrary to that so, so this is the great encouragement and this is why I, I preach all the time that every christian should have some kind of ministry that they're involved in what great work is your hands in or is your life consumed with idleness? And by idleness, I mean, it could also be busyness, but it's not a great work. So what are your hands set to that if the enemy came to you and, 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 and tried to tempt you to some kind of sin or some kind of uh, area of destruction that you would say, man, I can't do that. I, my hands are committed to a great work. My hands are committed to a great work. You think about it. If the enemy comes to tempt you to, to abandon your family or abandon your spouse, well, if your mind is idle, if you're not set to the, to the building of your family for the sake of Christ, if your hands aren't busy raising your children in the Lord and, 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 and pouring into your spouse for the sake of Christ, of course you're going to have an idle heart and mind but if your heart and your prayers and your focus are the building up of your family in christ saying what is your life what great work is your life a part of what great work is your life a part of and we see that with Nehemiah. You know, he, 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 he had a great work. He, he was rebuilding the walls. He was doing a work of God. God was using him to accomplish great purpose. And, and over and over and over, he was attacked by the enemy. And over and over and over again, he was standing firm, consistent. Why? Because he was busy. He was busy obeying God. He was busy putting his hands to good work. What work are your hands in? I think that's a, that's a great question. And, and it could be something in this church. It could be something outside of this church. It could be a, a, a dedication to, to spiritually lead your family. W whatever it is, what great work are your hands set to? W what has God called you to, 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 to work in? What is your greatest passion for the Lord? I think he's calling you to that. Hey, and in that calling, it protects us from the, from the evil one. As believers, our, our 
chief goal is to glorify God. Like, we want to be people who glorify God. We, we want to particularly do that we, we, by knowing Christ, being conformed into his image, and, uh, and as, our, as our mission statement, by delighting in God, discipling his church, and declaring the gospel to all people. And so we as a people understand, hey, our greatest goal is to glorify God. What work are your hands doing to accomplish that, that goal? And I think Nehemiah got it. He, he, he was busy, um, and so when, when the temptations came, he didn't fall for those temptations, right? When, when the opposition came, he didn't cower down under those oppositions. And, and again, after four times he says no, uh, they send a letter. Then, they, then, then they're going to send, send an open letter. Now, uh, it was an open letter intentionally. The reason why it was an open letter is so that they would start rumors about Nehemiah to, to kind of uh, undercut his leadership. And so here's this letter. It, usually you would seal it, and it would remain sealed until it re reached where it was going. This was not that. This was, hey, we want everybody to understand that he is uh, trying to be king. He's trying to, um, you know, to, to take over, and that, that Nehemiah shouldn't be trusted. He's, they're trying to undergird uh, his, his leadership. And, uh, and so Nehemiah, again, just in take, he's taking public accusation here he, he's, he's being attacked publicly and uh and nehemiah again doesn't cower down to this he he says no you, this is not true and, and and he's and nehemiah deals with it publicly uh you know as a leader any you know if any kind of leader leader of your family you know leader in a business leader in a church um you have decisions to make with how to handle these kinds of criticisms like you there are some that are worthy of public um, re rebuke, a pu public argument. And then there's some that's not. There's, there's some that you just say, that's so ludicrous, I'm not even going to address that, right? And so this is why it's important, and you see at the end where, God, where Nehemiah is, is praying unto the Lord, where, where he, he's asking him to, 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 to move and, and, and to help. And, and it's why it's important for us to go before the Lord to say, hey, we're dependent on you. Help me understand what I should do in this particular situation. Should I handle this with the same angst that it came to me, or should I kind of laugh this off as, as a, a weak attempt from the enemy? Right, we need to be a people that are connected with the Holy Spirit to know which one we should do. Now, again, some need public um, refute, and uh, most don't. Here's the problem with our culture: is that now everybody has a public pl platform. You know, 20 years ago, no one had a voice. Like you, 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 the only people who had a voice were the people who would get on the news, right, or in the newspaper. Everybody else just had opinions, and you talk over coffee. But but now everybody has a public platform. Everybody writes an open letter. Whenever someone sins, there's 30 open letters. That person who sins, you know, it's like everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a platform, and so uh, so you have to be wise, then, people of God, with what are the things that you're going to engage in. And, and I'm talking about when things attack you. What are the things you're going to engage in? And this is hard for me, too. I mean, I, I try to fight every battle, especially every spiritual battle on Facebook. If I read something that's just crazy, ignorant theology, I want to And I'm like, oh, Lord, okay, I'm going to delete. <laughs> you know? Because, I, I can't fix stupid, right? I, I, can't, I can't do that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think a lot of times we just got to say, all right, Lord, what's going to be helpful for the kingdom here? Right? What's going to be helpful for the kingdom? 
I don't want to fight for myself. I want to fight for the things that matter more than my own um, reputation. And so there are times where you have to say something, and there are times when you have to say nothing. That is a walk with the Lord. That is, you, you need to be able to discern from the Lord in what times, which of those is necessary. And so Nehemiah, in this, in this case, he, he calls him out publicly. And then, then he, he prays, uh, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. You know, he, he, he knew God was for him and on his side, and, and he knew he was walking according to, 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 to God's way and, and how he was handling this. So we need to pray for God's wisdom whether to remain silent or to speak. That's part of the dependency upon the Lord that we need to trust in. All right, let's read on. Verse 10. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, sorry, I practiced it earlier and then forgot, uh, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Now, this is important, right? So, so he's telling Nehemiah, hey, we got to go hide in the temple because, uh, uh, and, and, and because they're coming to kill you, right? So, so you know what's going on. Um, they're coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Okay, our, our, our next thing I want you to see is leaders don't run or compromise conviction under stress. Okay, so they're sending them this letter uh, from a prophet that they had hired, um, and, and, and the letter said, hey, what is going to happen is, is that there's going to be an attack on you. They're coming at night. What would be wise for you to do is let us go into, and this is a, a prophet saying this with him, let, a, a so-called prophet, let us go into the temple and hide. Uh, the, the, there's a couple of problems with this. One is Nehemiah saw this as what it was a, as an act of cowardice. To run and hide from a coming attack would have been an act of cowardice. And, and, and so um, Nehemiah's like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. Uh, they can come and kill me if they want. I'm not, I'm not running and hiding. Second problem with this is that to, for Nehemiah to go into the temple would have been a sin. It would have been sacrilegious against God. It, uh, the Old Testament forbidden anyone who wasn't a priest to go into the temple. Now, now he could have came into the outer uh, temple to, 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 to a place there for protection if he wanted, but to go into the temple would have been sin. And Nehemiah knew that. And, and, and he said, no, I'm not compromising my conviction. I don't, it doesn't matter the, the amount of stress that I'm, that I'm coming under. Now, this, this, is, uh, this is important. You know, even if it were to cost us our life, we have to be a people who stand on conviction, particularly stand on conviction of the Word of God. Um, I don't know that we'll ever have to, have to make the choice, are you a Christian? If so, I'm going to kill you or renounce your faith and live. 
Uh, but we could. We could. We certainly could. And I pray that we would be a people, whether that time comes or not, that we have resolved today that should that time come, I'm not renouncing Christ. I'm not renouncing Christ, regardless of the cost. Uh, our greater temptation, though, is, is to choose sin instead of, our, instead of Christ. Right? To, 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 hey, you're going to be tempted to, hey, if you just lie this one little lie, it'll work out greater for you. No. It, it, it doesn't matter how stressful the situation is. It doesn't matter how stressful the situation is. Or, or maybe there's the day that we come on our deathbeds and we're under just a great amount of stress to would we trust God in those moments that we would cling to him regardless of the stress that is on us but we would cling to him regardless of the situation that he has put us in that, that we uh, under the greatest amount of stress that we would we, we would cling to him now, one other point that I want to I make sure we're aware of here. Uh, the, the reason that Nehemiah didn't compromise his convictions and didn't go into the temple is because he knew that that would be sin. How did he know it? Know it. He knew it because he knew the Word of God. He, he knew the law of God. He knew the standard that God had set. And so, so for him, he understood based on the, the teachings of Scripture, based on the word, that going in there would be to, to defile the temple because what kind of man is he? he? That he should be able to walk into the temple just haphazardly. He knows that's not him. So because Nehemiah knew God's word, he knew how to walk rightly in front of God. And again, I stress to you, this is so crucial for us is knowing God's word in a culture that is is going to continue to put stress on you to compromise God's word it's important for you to know it so that you can stand on it you can't stand on what you don't know and so you need to be pressing in to know his word so that you might be strengthened to stand when the stress is placed on you so that we don't compromise our convictions because we know they are God's. We believe them to be His Word. And the, the, I, I'm teaching this in my Wednesday night class this week. I taught, but, but this is our authority. This is, our, this is God's Word to us that we might know how to walk according to His way. So much in our culture uh, just say, hey, I just want to, I just need a word from God. I just, I just need to hear something from God. I need a sign from God. Hello, here. He spoke a lot of words to us, actually. Um, I just can't hear from God. What, have you, have you read? But he spoke a lot to us. This is his word. It's the authority by which we submit ourselves under. What is said in this word is not only true, it is the truth. And so we hold to it. We stand on it. We plant our roots into it. So that when the storm does come, this is what the parable, when Christ is talking about building your house on the sand versus building your house on the rock. The rock is the confession that Christ is the son of the living God. That that is the word of God. That we, we would build our life on the very word of God, the very truths of God. So when the storms come, and they're coming, 
they haven't come already, they're coming, that that storm will not shake our foundations. It might, might knock some shingles off the roof, but it's not going to shake our foundations because it's, it's built on the rock, the truth. When we are, you know, tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine, we, we have built our house on sand, and so when the storm comes, we crumble. We have no foundation. So church, I plead with you, know this word. Study it. Read it in your homes. Listen to it on your way to work. Pray it. Um, teach it in your homes. Be a part of Bible studies to learn it more. N know this word of God so that you too may be planted and not moved. That you too might stand firm in the coming storms. That's huge. And I think that's what Nehemiah knew. He knew what it meant to please God. He knew to go into the temple would be to defile him. And so by knowing those things, he, he was able to walk according to God's way. Now, let's finish out this passage. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to, to, to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah and the son of Arah. The son of Arah, sorry. And his son, Jehoanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, uh, uh, the son of Bechariah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Um, first of all, we, we see that the, 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 the wall is wrapping up, the work is being finished, but the opposition keeps coming. Opposition keeps coming. And, and particularly my last point that I will have for us this morning is finished, uh, they finished the work and the glory was given to God. I love this part of Nehemiah 6. They labored. It took 52 days, which was so astonishing to the surrounding communities that they had completed the wall in this amount of time, especially with the opposition that they were throwing at them, that they, their response was not, man, Nehemiah is a great leader. Their response was not, man, the people of God are, are, are awesome, and aren't they just, 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 man, just a force to be reckoned with? No, what they said was, their God must be with them. And this is a beautiful thing. And, and, I, and my prayer is that that would be said of your lives, of this church, of, of Bible-centered churches all across this world, globe that they are committed to such a great work in with their hands and with their lives that that it can't be said that it was just them that did it it can't be just attributed to some kind of church growth strategy it can't be attributed to some kind of book you read to help your family be better it can't be attributed to some kind of marriage counselor but it's simply attributed that god had worked on our behalf 
that the, that the enemies around us that would have us fall or the enemies of the church of Christ that would have the church of Christ fall would look upon the work that is happening among his people and say, God must be with them. For they have thrived under opposition. In this, read through the Bible, you will see this over and over. Look at the Israelites in slavery in Egypt, and they continued to grow. Why? Because their God was with them. That we would be a people that are so dependent upon the Lord and work as if it depends on us and we set our hands to some great work that, that when that work is accomplished, we know and the whole world knows that there's no way we did this on our own. There's no way. There's no way that work is accomplished in our own strength. Much like parenting, you know, like you, you, you parent your children, you raise them in the Lord, and they continue on to, to love Jesus when they get to college. They love Jesus as young adults. They love Jesus on into adulthood, and they begin to raise godly families. Most parents are not going to look at themselves and say, man, I was an awesome parent. And everyone who knows you knows that's not true. And everyone who knows you will look at your life and say, man, God must have been with them. May that be true of everything we set our hands to. That, that, that we step out and embrace such a work that it, it is impossible for anyone to look at our work and say, man, they're awesome. Look how awesome they are. Man, they, they must have it all together. They've figured it out. But they would look at the work God has accomplished through us, through our church, through our families, and say, God must be with them. Even our enemies... Even your enemies would give glory to God because of the work that is accomplished in, in you, in us. That, that's a beautiful thing. Nehemiah finishes the, the, the work, but, but the opposition keeps coming. You know, even, uh, and, and I, would, I would also, just kind of a little side point, not really in my notes, uh, I think opposition comes harder once you have some kind of victory. Like you have a, a great day, like you woke up, you read your Bible, you got to have a spiritual conversation with someone at work, you, you pray with your family and kids at night, and you woke up the next morning and, and the opposition just punched you in the mouth. That oftentimes happens. Or, or you're part of some great work, you, you got to serve the Lord, you, you're feeling like God is doing a great work in your heart and life, and then all of a sudden the next moment, you, there, there's temptation comes to your heart and your mind. For us, we have to be a people that stand firm and, and, and honestly are constantly on guard. Whether, whether we're having success, victory, whatever, it doesn't matter. We, we, we have to be ready for the opposition of the evil one to come into our lives and to be able to stand firm uh, against it. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, the way we're going to do that is by depending on him. You see Nehemiah praying throughout this entire text, Oh God, strengthen my hands, he says. That we would be dependent upon God. Secondly, that we would be attached to some great work. That, that, that we would have our hands busy with a, 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 something that God has called us to do. Um, if, if you don't know what God has called you to do, again, I can tell you some very clear ones. Uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can give you several more. So we're attached to some great work. 
lastly, that we would not compromise our conviction because we know God's word. We're standing on the truth of God's word. Again, an act of dependency upon him. So that when God does grant us success in some venue of our life, our enemies and the world would say, glory be to God. There's no way they could have done this in their own power and strength. This was an act of God. Now, I want to close uh, with, a, with a scripture, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together here in just a moment, but I want to read to you. This is Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, and I'll probably read this in benediction as well. But I just want to read this to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Church, my prayer for us is that we would be a people who stand firm. Stand firm on the convictions of the word of God. Stand firm in dependency upon him to know how to react, not in our flesh, but in the spirit. To stand firm in the work that we have committed to, to put our hands to. We would be a people that stand firm. And even if God is to grant success, that we stand firm, that he's the one who's brought the great work to our life. We'd stand firm on him. Now we're going to enter into a time of, of communion, the Lord's Supper. And um, I want to kind of walk you through how we're going to do it. Um, and, and, and honestly, like to, to kind of, again, push our hearts to the truth that one of the, the, the maybe you just heard my entire message and you're walking away with this idea of I got to try harder. Um, this is a great testimony that is it, it, it is it is a, a great dependency upon the Lord as to how we're going to stand firm. A great understanding of the gospel and the work committed to us is how we're going to stand firm. This is our fighting is get to the word and depend on him. Our fighting is get in prayer and depend on him. Our fighting is seek the work that he has from you to do and just do that. That's how we fight. And, and so when we take communion, we're talking about the work that has the greatest work that has already been accomplished for us. And so, a couple of things in this. Um, th we practice open communion, which simply means you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. You're welcome to take if you're visiting, if you're, if you're you know, on vacation here, or you're just visiting, first time here, whatever. We do ask that you be believers, though. We, we think that it is scriptural that this is a, a, a sacrament for believers. It's an ordinate for, uh, ordinance for believers. By taking this, you are attesting to the fact that you believe that Christ has taken your sins and you've trusted him with your entire life. Like, you're holding out no other hope but that Christ will save you. And you've placed all your, all your chips in the basket of Christ, that, that, that he is the one and the only one that you're trusting in for salvation. If you haven't done that yet, that's great. We're glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you would do that at some point. Uh, but, but by taking this, you are attesting to the fact that you believe that, that you've, you, you hold to that. And so I would ask that you not take it. And, and, and if you've got children in the room that have not yet come to Christ, um, you know, I would, I would encourage you to withhold from them. Um, and, and a great opportunity for you to explain to them what is the gospel, okay? Now, as far as logistics go, um, 
we have, I think we have, yeah, we have gluten-free uh, bread on the end tables available to you. Okay, if you need that, you can get that and then take a juice from the, from the tray. I'm going to ask that you, um, the, 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 the traffic flow here is you'll come out of your section to your left. You'll come down to the section in front of your seating section and then go back the other aisle and enter in from the right side. Uh, hopefully that helps us uh, just navigate traffic as best as we can with this. Um, I, I'm, in, in a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the, and, and, and uh, we're gonna, they're going to start playing piano back here. You go ahead and come when that happens. Get communion, take it to your seat. And, uh, and, and hold it until I'll come back and lead us all to take together, okay? Um, what you do in the time that you're sitting there holding it, I would encourage you just to meet with God. Just to pray and ask the Lord to encourage you. Maybe if there's been some, some sin that you need, haven't dealt with, that he would show that and you would deal with it. If you can't get out of your seat, uh, once kind of everybody kind of gets through we'll have one of our ushers looking to see who needs it brought to them uh, so just make sure you flag them down and they'll bring you uh, some as well okay all right let's pray together father i'm thankful for the testimony of nehemiah I'm thankful for the resolve. I mean, I'm always just encouraged by uh, leaders that, that, man, just have some grit to them. And I know that's God-given. And so, Father, I just, I just thank you for your work in Nehemiah. Who, he was certainly not perfect by any means. Uh, but, Father, you used him in great ways, and I'm thankful for that. I pray that we can learn today to be on guard, to put on the whole armor of God, to, to stand firm, to, to realize that that difficult person at work, is the, the problem's not the problem, that there are spiritual things that going on to still kill and destroy the work of God in our own souls. And so, Father, I, I pray that we would be a people that are on guard. Not, not afraid, not living in fear, but aware, alert, expecting opposition from the evil one to come. And when it comes, that we would know how to handle it. We would depend upon you and pray that you would strengthen our hands, that you would strengthen our stand in the word of God, that you would strengthen our convictions on what is true and truth. And Father, that you would continue to make us more like Jesus. More faithful like Jesus more servant-hearted like Jesus, more bold like Jesus. That you would move in us in that way. And I, and I pray that this time that we're coming to the table would just be a further encouragement of the work that you have accomplished for us. That we, we're not raising a bunch of... Um, 
people who depend upon their own strength and power. You, you, it's not just personality types or giftedness that, that is being encouraged here, but, but de- dependency upon the Lord and being used by Him to accomplish great work. Just like in our salvation, we're entirely dependent upon you. There's no, as we sang earlier, there's no merit, no good in me that earned or deserved righteousness. But it's Christ. It's Christ who took my sin upon himself and drank every drop of the wrath of God that my sin deserved. And then he gave to me his own righteousness that I might stand before God the Father forever, perfect as Jesus is perfect. The ultimate battle won on my behalf. Praise be to God. And so may our coming to the table this morning be a further confession that we depend upon you for all things. And we want to depend upon you even further. In Christ's name we pray, amen.